Welcome to the Thundercast, your martial athletics podcast produced by the fans, for the fans, with your hosts, Russ Livingood and KD Hudnall. We're bringing you the thundering word on the thundering herd each and every week. So keep it right here. The Thundercast is on the loose. Downloading another episode of the Thundercast. You follow us on Twitter, Thundercast underscore pod, and head on over to the YouTube, give the Thundercast channel a subscription so that you never miss any of the Thundercast YouTube exclusive content. Russ, we had a massively epic weekend in herd athletics. One could go so far as to say an all-time great weekend for the herd. A lot of our teams were at home, and a lot of our teams picked up huge victories and we're going to talk about all of it because man what a weekend it was i tried to consume as much herd athletics as i possibly could and i think i achieved just that so let's get into all of it but before that we got to get a quick word from our sponsors at 304carwreck.com if you've been hurt in a wreck visit 304carwreck.com on the web or on facebook Matt and Jason are experienced injury lawyers in Huntington who have helped many people, just like you, with claims throughout West Virginia, Ohio, and Kentucky. Car wrecks, truck wrecks, and injury claims aren't just something they do, it's what they do. Find them at 304carwreck.com. Look, I know we've got a big football game that we're going to talk about. We've got a huge soccer match that we're going to talk about. And some of that might be included in this, but hey, we've got to get going where we always get going, and that's with five things that every Herd fan needs to know this week. Yeah, and with our five things every Herd fan needs to know this week, as always, it's brought to you by IgniteLink, the Tri-State's premier IT management team. Starting off number one, Morgan Zirkel will be the presenter, a presenter at the NFCA Coaches Clinic in Chicago in January. Yep, I think that's pretty cool, man. Uh, she's, she's uh, you know, she, I know she hasn't coached a game as a head coach yet, but it really feels like Morgan is this rising star in the softball world, even mm-hmm. without having coached an official game for Marshall University. She's just got this reputation as a an all time great player. Um, she's got a, grep- a reputation as a really good pro player. She's got a reputation as a really good assistant coach. And she and her staff, I really honestly, truly feel like are about to flip the softball world on their ear of what we're about to do in Huntington, West Virginia with an all-female staff, all under 30. And uh, Morgan's right there at the head of that, man. This this just feels like the the lighting of the fuse, if you will, for the Morgan Circle rocket. Using uh, my history with baseball, if you're good at fundamentals and you can teach the fundamentals as a player uh, to another player, you can do that as a coach and, and things. These coaches' clinics, it, it's – it's human nature to you. It's, it's like the back of your hand to you. You know, I can talk about all the different fielding things and things that I learned uh, over the years with baseball. I'm sure she can do that as well. Uh, this is going to the same as we talked about when uh, coach Smith Lyon did this out on the West coast, this is going to open up some avenues for her uh, to maybe for recruiting for, you know, different, um, pipelines or something that she may not have right now this is going to be a really good thing and 
like you said, she's a rising star. This just puts a little more shine on Marshall and on her. Sure does, man. All right, number two, we have Matthew Bell named Offensive Player of the Week. That was last Tuesday for the mm-hmm. Sun Belt Conference. This Tuesday, Adam Almush. We've got four <laughs> of the top or the first five offensive players of the week. Go figure. We are very good at soccer. But well, this is Matthew Bell's second and Aomash's first. As a good friend of ours from yesteryear would say, well, you'll have that. You know, when you're good at things, you'll have that. So it's no surprise that uh, Matthew Bell notches another Sunbelt Offensive Player of the Week. And then Ayamash just matches that on coming off the heels of the lone goal scored in the match against UCF, the record-setting crowd, which we'll talk about. I don't want to give away too much of that. But it's just not surprising. When you're that damn good at soccer, these individual accolades and weekly awards are just going to find their way to you. Yeah, we've got, like I said, four of the first five, and we've had some of those players that were uh, recipients or potential recipients haven't been playing here the last Mm -hmm. couple of games. So uh, just what else can this team get as far as accolades right now? This far into the season, well, I was going to say right I'll, I'll, now and not much, but yeah, you know, I mean, they. It seems like they've gone. I I can't remember what week that we didn't win it, but it had to have been quite the uh, offensive onslaught for whatever uh, player that was not a Marshall player that won it that week. Yeah. Uh, number three, women's soccer has been honored by the Cabell County Board of Education. They went around to every single elementary school and uh, giving encouragement and other things for all the students. Well, this is going to be one of those things where I haven't been able to bust out the word in a couple of weeks, so we're going to be able to bust it out now. And this women's soccer team was absolutely a differentiator in the community, and that's something that we just never get tired of seeing, reading, and or talking about because people need to know that. People need to know that, you know, in spite of all the work that they do – practice, games, classroom, tutoring, traveling, all that stuff, you still go out and are impactful members in the community and to go around and hit all of the schools in the area and just be there, you know, be there. Nothing like that ever happened at my school when I was a kid, you know, because if it did, I would absolutely 100% remember it, you know. Mm -hmm. Having these collegiate athletes roll into my school as an elementary kid and talk to me and, I mean, dang, you know, I've... Teachers and parents can talk to you till they're blue in the face, and a lot of times it won't register. But one athlete, one you know, cool kid, like at a high school or even, says it one time, and it's like the first time you've ever heard it, and it makes so much sense. So I'm really glad that they're out in the community doing this kind of stuff because those words of encouragement might not seem like much in the moment, but they can make a huge difference in in the mind of a child. Coinciding with that, and I know this because I have two in elementary school, uh, they were giving out free, uh, there's a code or something that you got to use, but you got free passes to go to a game. And just think of that, getting to see these players, like you said, at your school 
and you're a little kid, you're wild eyed, you just, these are superheroes to you. Right. And then you can go watch them on the field. These people that just came to your school. Yeah. What does that do for making new fans? Great move by the team. Great move by the athletic department. But above all of that is like you said, making a difference in the community. All right, so number four, zipping right through these this week. Rashina Lee is named Offensive Player of the Week for the Sun Belt in football. <laughs> Shocker! <laughs> well, I think it was. To no, a, I don't to think a... it was because well, I no, know no, some, not... some people are going to talk about the uh, Texas State back who had well, 200 and some. It's but, not a shocker to us. It was a shocker to some, and there was a spirited debate on Twitter, at least, about that. So uh, that's why I was saying it was a shocker to some that he got that. We well, know what we have. Yes. And and I even called it. You know, I said, don't be surprised if this is the game where Rasheen goes for 150, 60, or 70, and he even outpaced that. You know, I jokingly said this could be that 200-yard game. And while I 100% thought it was – possible to happen you still think man that's pretty tough to 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 get there you know and but I, I absolutely saw the breakout game on the horizon and and it proved true so yeah there there might be a little bit of an argument there but still i i don't really i don't really think that there there is too much because Rasheen went out and dominated in a big game and uh even though you know texas state played Nevada, who is a really decent team. Um, you know, he went for 216. Ali goes for 174, two touchdowns against a Power 5 opponent. That's always just going to carry more weight. It doesn't matter that Marshall was uh, favored in the game. You know how media is. They say, oh, well, this is a more marquee game. If they would have been more true and gave given Marshall proper credit and said, well, you know, the herd was favored in this game, Maybe that 170 is not as impressive as that 216. Well, that's not always how it goes. And while, you know, I I, I would like to say that um, I wish it could have gone the other way. I don't because Rasheen deserves what he did. He he absolutely, um, you know, was the spark plug yet again for this hurt offense when we really needed it. Several big plays. I mean, he just, he's the guy. He's the guy. And I agree with everything you're saying. I do. Uh, you just know what we would think if it was on the yeah, other I end. Do. If we had Rasheen had rushed for more yards than the other person that won and either had the same amount of touchdowns or, or more touchdowns or whatever, we would be saying, man, he got robbed. And that's what their fans are doing. And mm -hmm. they, you know, they're backing their guy. It's a shock to them. We know what we have here. He should be probably the offensive player of the week every week. You know, yeah. he's just, he's an absolute machine and he proved it against Virginia Tech. Yeah. I'm not saying that they don't have a right to be upset because yeah. they, they should. I mean, you know, it's, it, if you, if you guys don't know, it's Ishmael Mahdi from Texas State. He went for, let me find it real quick 21 carries for 216 yards and two touchdowns, 10.3 yards per carry in a 35 to 24 win over. Nevada. So they have a legitimate gripe, mm -hmm. but it just didn't go their way. We've been on the short side of those anyway. Yeah. Where our machines had a big game or even before that, you know, Cato have a big game or somebody and and you get to the point where they you go, well, you know, they almost expect that guy to have a great game. So we're going to give it to the other guy. And, and mm -hmm. fortunately, you know, Rasheen just had his big breakout game this year. We knew it was coming and 
here it is and now it's just off to the races hopefully for for Rasheen and that again to use the 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 saying I said a little bit ago hopefully that's the lighter on the wick for the Rasheen Ali rocket now you know yeah. but you know props to him man he, he he put the hurt on his back there in the in for a big part of that game and uh broke the game wide open for the hurt number 5 we have an absolute epic run of events starting on Thursday with um hoops in Huntington downtown Huntington the uh first uh event of that last year was just amazing what a what a backdrop at night right on the streets the uh had a street ball feel with everyone around the perimeter uh just standing around watching it that kicks off again on Thursday on Friday, we have the Greg Rousey Memorial Golf Tournament for uh, baseball that you can still get a team in, I think. You just need to uh, go on Herd Zone, go over and see who you need to contact and do all that jazz. Also on Friday, we have the Homecoming Parade. They We heard uh, Matt James say that we were doing that on Friday, try to get the people that are coming in, the alums that are coming in, and they also absolutely did not want to interfere with uh, the uh, Hoops in Huntington event. Saturday, obviously, got the football game. Caps off homecoming. Well, we got all these different reunions and tailgates and that sort of thing. We're going to talk about that real quick. We've got uh, our tailgate, and we're going to have the softball alums over at our tailgate. Mm-hmm. And right across the alley, 4th Avenue, at the M Club Pavilion, is going to be the Herd Brothers football alums. And we've heard that some of them might migrate across the alley and come over to our tailgate as well. So yep. uh, that, obviously, the baseball uh, alums that will be here doing the um, uh, golf tournament, they're going to have their own thing that's going to be on the new turf, the baseball stadium over there. So they're going to have a... Uh, tailgate right on the infield over there for for them. So lots of tailgating, lots of reunions, but we're not done. Sunday <laughs> at noon, the home run derby for the softball team. Great yeah. event. Great, super event. cool idea. Yep. Yeah, super cool idea. And if you if folks aren't, let me touch on that real quick. If folks aren't sure what that is, of course, yes, you know what a home run derby is, but it's yeah. a fundraiser for the softball team. So you can sponsor a player to win, or you can sponsor a player's distance for their combined yeah. home runs. And all of the ways to you know make your choices and what you want to pledge and all that kind of stuff is you know on the herd zone on the softball. Uh, there's a link to you know fill it out and and do what you want to do. But it's a great that's a cool event man and I hope Very it gets a good. big crowd. It should get a decent crowd, you know. Yeah. Uh but uh, you know pick your player. I mean even even the coaches are going to be playing from what I gather so you can get the the uh long ball abilities of of Morgan. You can get them from um um of uh you know, current players like you know, like Riley uh, and uh, even Bick. I was I stopped by the softball game, the scrimmage, and uh, Sydney Bickle took two out in consecutive at bats, and it was pretty pretty wild because she wasn't known for that last year. Yeah. So uh, you're gonna have a a lot of ways to win. You know, and and there's no rule that says you can only pick one player. So hey, get out there and support the softball team and check out a pretty cool event. Yeah. So. Epic from Thursday to Sunday. I think that that qualifies. And 
we thought last weekend was epic, which it was. Oh, it was. This this is shaping up <laughs> to be a different kind of epic. You know, you don't have a number one uh, Marshall soccer team playing at home to anchor that. You don't have Virginia Tech coming here at home to anchor that. But all these events are are must go to. I can't imagine missing hoops in Huntington. It's right, just yeah. going to. I, I really hope weather cooperates uh, like it did last year because that is just such an amazing event that we started last year. And I can't wait to see how we top it this year. I, I've got, I've also got to talk about that video that we filmed with Matt James and Jimmy black mm-hmm. of uh, the Marshall university foundation and the alumni association respectively, because they talked a lot about the events of homecoming. And remember Matt talked about bringing back the car smash. That's a yep. thing again. And that was always really cool. You know, when we were uh, students, so uh, go check that video out on our YouTube channel if you're curious about some of the events that might be going on through the Alumni Association for Homecoming Week because they wanted to make a big push for that. And, uh, you know, the links to all of their websites and the University Foundation website and all that stuff is is linked to that video so that you uh, have the uh, ability to get involved with the Alumni Association, make donations if you want to, or just see their calendar of events, you know, to augment your entire uh, homecoming weekend you can make it a true herd weekend just like i did this past weekend being in huntington west virginia I went to as much sports as i could i can't be back this weekend but there is even more opportunity to get involved with more stuff other than just going to games this weekend i think the herd's trying to kind of kill it in the homecoming week department and it looks like at least from a calendar standpoint they're gonna do it yeah i We've talked about how we've elevated just about everything, the digital side, the marketing side, the events side. This is just an extension of that. We've got a second annual event and a first time event. To my knowledge, this is the first time we've done a softball home run derby like Mm. this, Uh, but we're just killing it right now. I'm so glad that we're doing this show to get to cover this stuff and bring this to the people but I'm glad to hear about it myself. So I know about all these things to go to. I can't wait to hopefully get out of church on Sunday, take the kids over, go to this home run derby. Uh, hopefully the weather uh, will allow for that. Yeah. But it it's epic, man. Epic, epic weekend. I know it's going to be so freaking cool. I wish that, you know, we had the capability to be at all of these places and go live. You know, I know that's not doable, but man, how cool would that be? to be able to, uh, you know, broadcast from these events and maybe talk to some of the people that are there and taking part in some of these festivities. Of course, we're going to have Thundercast live at uh, the, the tailgates, and so we'll be doing a live uh, tailgate show. But, um, you know, broadcasting from Hoops in Huntington would be awesome. I mean, yeah, that, and would, I, that would I be think so I, cool. I think that I can make everybody forget about Chris Berman at the, uh, <laughs> you know, with the calls at the uh, – uh, that one's on the Buffalo at the Klein, you know, that sort of thing. <laughs> no, so it's going to be a really great week. And, uh, and uh, for everybody that's going into Huntington, I should also mention that if you haven't been back in a long time, we also have another video on our YouTube channel on how to dominate your Marshall game day experience. So how do you get tickets, where you can stay, fan-friendly tailgates, all that kind of stuff, where to park. You know, the, the face of Huntington looks a little bit different. Like some of the buildings that you might be expecting to see aren't there anymore. You know, so if you haven't been back in a number of years, it might be a good idea to go over to our YouTube channel and and watch that video. It's only about 35, 40 minutes. 
I mean, it's, you know, you can watch it on your way to work or listen to it on your way to work one day or something like that so you can get the details and get yourself prepared for a great homecoming weekend. And, hey, stop by the sea lot because you never know who's going to pop up at a Thundercast tailgate, man. I can't That's wait right. to talk about that here in a little bit. Yeah. What else? All you right. Got? That's it. That does it for the five things every Herd fan needs to know this week. As always, brought to you by Ignite Link. Man, what a great five things, and I can't wait to get into this weekend because, you know, it, it got kicked off really on Friday, so I don't want to give too much. We're going to talk about that in Around the Herd, but it got kicked off on Friday for me personally and for a lot of Herd fans in attendance at the CAM to watch the volleyball team, but the first marquee event was the noon kickoff football game against Virginia Tech, and we're going to talk about that right now. A 24-17 victory for the Herd. Herd's undefeated, 3-0 and right now, rocking and rolling, despite still, Russ, not having played a complete four-quarter four game. It's kind of scary what this Herd team could be if they string together 60 unbelievably solid minutes of football. But look, when you look down those indicators, it's still a really good game by the Herd. Total yards goes to the Herd. Time of possession goes to the Herd. First downs go to the Herd. Third downs go to the herd. The only thing the herd don't win are turnovers, and it didn't matter. Total yards, 380 for the herd, 343 for the Hokies. Time of possession, 32-14 for Marshall, 27-14 for Virginia Tech. First downs, 19-16 in favor of the herd. Third down conversions, 5 of 14 for the herd was good enough to win the day, and that's because the Hokies were a meager 2 of 13 on third down. Turnovers, two for the Herd, one for the Hokies. That is it as far as indicators in this game going Texter's way. It was a sellout crowd at Joan C. Edwards Stadium, Russ Living Good Stripe. The Joan, it looked gorgeous. 31,475 people, and let's stop right there because that drone footage was freaking cool as shit. I don't care if we got, quote, publicly reprimanded, worth it. Absolutely worth it. Uh, let's talk about that real quick before we move into the tailgate. What what do you think about these initial kind of indicators? This texter team coming into Huntington. What I know we were both like positive about getting this win, but did that ever kind of feel like in question to you at all? So I missed the opening drive trying to get into the stadium. Uh, I left plenty of time to get in but there was just that many people trying to get into the stadium at the same time you yeah. only got six gates uh i tried to go see looked like it was going to be a long uh, uh i was going to have to where i came up i was going to have to back at a 45 degree angle to go get in line so i said oh, i'll just go over to b b had three different lines merging into one and you know they've got two different gate b's you know on both sides i was on the south side and three lines were trying to get into one to go in there and it took me 30 minutes to get in so i missed that opening drive and i will say that that opening drive and then seeing the interception shortly afterwards when i was in my seat it looked like man this could turn out to be totally different than what we expected mm -hmm. so i don't know if i would ever say that it was in doubt you know, I always believed, I always thought that we would do, uh, handle our business, do what we needed to do, but they didn't come in and just roll over. They came in and tried to run it right down our throats. They tried to come in and play their game and 
we just played our game and beat them. You know, for me, it was it was a kind of a rough start because you do go down, give up the touchdown, then you get the pick, and you're thinking, dang, man, this is kind of a worst-case scenario right now yeah. to start. But even still, I didn't feel like the herd was just going to fold. Right. You know, because I felt like there was so much at stake and there was so much just personal pride with this team. They knew they were better than that Virginia Tech team. Absolutely. E- even even despite that rough start, they knew they were the better football team. And that's no slight to Virginia Tech. It's it's how good this Marshall team is and how they're built. They can weather those storms. We've seen it already. And they can they can come back from that adversity and take control of the game. And they were able to do that. Look at the three games that we've played so far. We have been behind in all three. We had to come back in two fourth quarters to win the first two, and then we had to come back against a P5. No matter what you want to say about them being down, we knew that we were the better favored team going into this. Um, I think the matchup showed us being the better team. It's still a P5 built on all that money, all that, recruiting that they're able to do and we were down to them early Mm -hmm. and we came back and we came back and dominated and we're up big so we've had three games right now that like you said we haven't put together four quarters consecutively uh for a solid game but we have shown that we're not going to give up and we are built to be able to score quickly. We're built to come back and dominate. We're built to have our defense just absolutely take over and shut down any attempts to score. So this just showed out again in this game. Yeah. I gotta, I gotta lay out these first few drives, right? Because here's how the game started. It goes touchdown allowed interception, Virginia Tech punt, Herd missed field goal, a three and out by the Herd defense, and then the Herd finally gets the touchdown. So that is not what I would call a fast start scoring, right? And it was that's two pretty big negatives, an interception, and then you get something going and you miss the field goal. You know, that's those kind of like, dang, man. Well, we're going to have to punch it in the end zone. You know, and, and, and shortly thereafter, it was that's exactly what it was, a quick three and out and then boom you know, the touchdown and, and the herds on the board and, you know, kind of the, the defense has settled in. By the time you give a, you get the interception, so it was one drive and then the herd defense settled in. That was it. And, and, and really, it was, again, the ugly quarterback, you know, long run that reared its ugly head again for the third straight game. That's the bugaboo that's become a hallmark early in the season for this herd defense is they play great, but they have been allowing that one long quarterback run and drones got a couple of them in this game. Only one went for a score, but, or no, well, it wasn't long, but the first one was long, but he, he got away a couple of times. They were able to get to him a bunch too, but after that first touchdown drive, the herd defense settled in, you know, or, and after that in- interception by the offense punt three and out, and then bam, herds on the board after our own missed field goal. But let's back it up a little bit before we get into what our players did, man, because we had a massively awesome tailgate. Yeah, we did. I mean, unbelievably awesome tailgate. And we told people for weeks and weeks and weeks that we're coming in, hey, you can stop by. We're going to have tons of food. We're going to have tons to drink. You'll have plenty of room. We won't be on top of one another. I mean, we have five spaces in the sea lot and generally are able to bleed over into some auxiliary room, right? Uh, We're not trying to give away the blueprint here, but... 
you know, we, we have plenty of room for people to spread out and have a good, have a good time. So you're not all on top of one another and people showed out, Russ. I mean, they came by a lot of people. I feel comfortable saying we fed several hundred people throughout the duration of our tailgate. You know? At one time, there was easily a hundred people there at the same time. Yeah. At, at, and that's not who was coming and going and passing right. through and, you know, stopping by for 10 minutes and leaving and come back. You know, So I feel very, very confident that we edged. I would feel comfortable saying close to that three to four hundred total people plateau, you know, within the, well, shit, we were there for six hours, <laughs> five and a half hours. Well, that's before the game. <laughs> yeah. We were there. We were there after the game. That's for a right. While, <laughs> that's right. But, you know, we're you just never know who's going to show up. Several former players stopped by and said what's up. It was great to see all of those guys. And, uh, you know, even even uh, some other former athletes from other sports were there as well. And, you know, everybody was just having a great time. That just goes to show you, like, we had Virginia Tech Hokies fans that came by mm-hmm. before and after the game. So, mm-hmm. you know, the Thundercast tailgate is a place to go and hang and have a good time in a – you know, relatively worry-free zone, you know? We we had uh, player parents from Virginia Tech, Derek Canteen, the safety. His mm-hmm. parents uh, came through before the game and after the game. We got to show them a little bit of the herd hospitality, and uh, they they loved it. They stopped and talked. They weren't in a hurry. They, you know, I, I let them know where they were going to pick up their uh, will-call tickets for the mm-hmm. visiting players, and I – uh, offered them, uh, you know, something to eat and drink before they went over. And we offered them something to eat and drink when they came back after the game. And we talked about the game and it's a safe place for fans. It's a safe place for parents, uh, kids. My kids were there at halftime. We had uh cake for my oldest, you know, she turned 12 the next day and we had a little party for her there at, at halftime a quick one you know but yeah. a, a little party so kids can come by uh adults can come by parents can come by whatever you want to do we are the place to go for the tailgate yeah and, and it's 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 important to note that you know because we want people to have such a good time uh, especially opposing fans that they yeah. want to come back to huntington that's what it's all about and, you know i got to tell you this herd fans really showed out they really did uh, not from just an attendance standpoint, which made it look gorgeous on TV. We did. We went back and watched a rewatch. It looked great on TV. Mm. The fan photos, the the photos that are going to come out of this for years to come, are going to be unbelievably great. That that but drone video. The drone video was so <laughs> cool, man. But I asked every Virginia Tech fan that I encountered, everyone, how have you been treated? And not a single person had anything negative to say. Not a single. Person And when I tell you I probably talked to 50 or 60 different Virginia Tech fans, I did. You know, at the game, before the game, just walking around. It didn't matter. If I was in an area where I was stopped walking and they were stopped walking, I would say, hey, how's the day going for you? You know, and, Mm -hmm. you know, Marshall really came through. The Herd fans really came through. They gave those Hokies a positive experience everywhere but on the scoreboard, and that's exactly what you want to do as a herd friend. So kudos to them, man. And I, I have to say this about the tailgate too. Um, we could not put this on one without our sponsor mm-hmm. and landscaping by Hillcrest just made this an unbelievable tailgate for everybody with their sponsorship. Uh, but two, 
organizing, doing the cooking, bringing extra tables and stuff like that. MVP of the tailgate for me was uh, heard super fan Karen Legrand. Yep. She, she was there early. She's been there for both. She's always saying, what can I do? What can I bring? Can I bring this? Can I bring that? As you know, we had a little bit of adversity <laughs> trying to get that tailgate going. Uh, small little kitchen fire. I'm fine. Don't worry about me. But uh, we're uh, we're over there having some additional issues. And Karen just said, let me step in and help. She's always yeah. bringing something. She's always doing something. MVP for that tailgate, Karen. Karen, happy birthday. I know it was uh, shortly after that tailgate that you had a birthday, just like my daughter. But uh, happy birthday, and thanks for all that you do for always promoting the Thundercast and always being willing to help and say, what can I do? No doubt. We absolutely, certainly appreciate, because <laughs> we need a lot of help. Yeah. <laughs> as, as much as we like to think we've got it together and got it tightened down, and nah, man, it's there's always a new set of challenges for every home game and every tailgate, and you know, just when you think you got it figured out, the honey catches on fire. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's supposed to be hot honey, not, you know, whatever. I, I made it, sure it was hot honey. <laughs> fire brood, just like yeah. Strohs. <laughs> so let's talk about the game. Let's talk about what our yeah. guys did. Cam Fancher goes 16 of 27, 166 yards, does, does get himself a touchdown, but two interceptions. Rasheen Ali... Sunbelt Offensive Player of the Week. You mentioned it in the five things. What an unbelievable performance. 27 carries, 174 yards, two touchdowns, a long of 61, but the touchdown went from 56. And he was a shoelace away from a third. Well, I don't know if it was a third touchdown. It would just been a touchdown on that drive. Yeah. Uh, that would have went for, gosh, I don't even know where he got pushed out, but it would have been it, probably it was, around 70. It was at the 18, so I think okay. that he, he would have gotten uh, – it would have been a 79-yard touchdown. Yeah, shoestring away from 79-yard touchdown. And that guy had the angle on him. He didn't yeah. catch him from behind. He had the angle and still barely got him as he dove. You know, that's just how fast fast Rasheen was. We saw on Twitter this one account mm -hmm. had him at 20.6 on the touchdown that he got was over uh, 50 yards. And then on that run that you are just talking about there – I think it was 19.8 or something like that. So right around 20 to 21 miles per hour, he was uh, hitting on his top speed. In full pads. Yeah. In full pads. Okay. Yeah. Rasheen Ali can flat fly without a doubt. Caleb Coombs is your uh, leader in the clubhouse from a receiving yards standpoint. Four catches on the day for 41 yards with a long of 15 leads the herd. Ethan Payne, two catches for 36 yards, including a beautiful over the uh, over shoulder catch there going along the sidelines. Um, also chipped in eight carries for 29 yards on the ground. Pretty decent all around day for Ethan. Caleb, or I'm sorry, uh, not Caleb. Cade Conley. Cade. Cade Conley leads the herd in receptions, five receptions on the day for 35 yards. And Demarcus Harris is the one that ends up with the touchdown, just the one reception for 12 yards. Snatch that ball out of the air, Russ. It looked like uh, that was kind of to the wrong side maybe of Demarcus, or he wasn't expecting it to be there. Excellent elite body control and adjustment by Mr. Harris to snatch that ball and, and uh, reel in the touchdown. 
Eli Neal is your leader from a defensive standpoint. Russ, 10 total tackles, just one solo on the day and one sack to go along with a tackle for loss. Carry on Martin, nine total tackles on the day, five of those solo. <laughs> and dude brought the hit stick a couple yeah. of times on consecutive plays, if I'm yeah. not mistaken. One on a kickoff. Poor Virginia Tech returner. Seemed like every time he tried to return a ball, he just got flat obliterated, but none worse than when Carrion Martin unloaded on him to start the second half and then followed that up with the first play on defense with another huge hit stick play. Mike Green, five total tackles, three solo, half a sack, and half a tackle for loss. We didn't even mention this. Uh, I've seen it a couple of times, but I, I didn't think to mention this uh, earlier in the week when uh, – on Twitter, but I guess he and his brother are going to be matching up against one another in homecoming this week. I That's guess right. Mike's brother plays for Old Dominion, so yep. nice little storyline for the Green brothers going to go head-to-head against one another in this one. And then it gets a little busy there. Four total tackles, all by each, by a, uh, Micah Abraham, Owen Porter, J.J. Roberts, A.G. McGee, and Sam Burton, all tally four tackles. OP puts on a half a sack and a forced fumble to go along with it, and Burton gets himself a full sack to keep the streak alive. I um, think it's uh, important to say, too, that on Herd Zone, we give two sacks to Owen Porter, and ESPN only gives the one. One was recorded as a tackle for loss on a QB keeper. So depends on how you look at that, on whether yeah. that was a sack or not. But he got in the backfield and took him down behind the line of scrimmage twice, yeah. either way you want to look at it. Yeah, and you know what? I don't care if it's a designed run. I feel like if the you tackle the quarterback behind the mm-hmm. line, or if there is no quarterback and it's like a wildcat thing, it should be a sack. If the, pri- the, the first guy to get the ball after the snap is tackled for a loss, it should count as a sack, right? Does that not seem like the way it should be, especially if it occurs in the tackle box? Yeah, because uh, let's look at those uh, – Tim Tebow design jump passes or whatever. It looks like he's going to tuck it and run, and then he just jumps up. That's yeah. still viable. He can still right. do that. You know, if he gets away, if if Porter misses, do you think he's going to try to run? No, he's going to try to throw it to somebody. You know, first thing he's going to do, see if he can throw it to somebody. So just one of those weird plays where one outlet sees it this way and our outlet sees it as a sack. So it is what it is. Impact plays total for the herd, four total sacks on the day, six total tackles for loss. Six passes defended, including two huge passes defended by Josh Moten to basically seal the game for the herd. One forced fumble and one fumble recovery. Special teams-wise, Reese Verhoff goes one of two on field goals, long of 21. He missed from 49. Looked like he had plenty of leg, just sailed Mm -hmm. it, pushed it. And three of three on extra points. Russ, nothing outstanding in the special teams game other than that, you know, um, a scare <laughs> by Mason Pierce fielding a punt, but heads up to double clutch that bad boy and, and take control of it, or that would have been disastrous. But other than that, it was nothing. Uh, very ho-hum day for special teams. Well, we almost came away with uh, one where we Oh, yeah, the kickoff. Yeah, yeah, we kicked it uh, short, and we ended up continuing to kick short for the rest of the game. But um, – they just let it drop right between it. It hit one of them. But <laughs> they looked at each other like, you it, getting it or are you getting it, it? And it looked like we were going to come up with a heads-up play by them to recover. But yeah. um, So it could have been a drastically different game, could have been a drastically different special teams outlook with yep. that. 
surely could have been. And I'll tell you what, that's where team speed kills you because we actually had that first defender run past the ball and try to recover and get back to it, but it just didn't happen. But that would have changed the trajectory of that game without a doubt. Uh, let's revisit our keys to victory, if you can remember yours. I've got uh, them written down this time, believe oh, it or not. The memory's not failing. He's just more prepared for this question this time. That's right. All right. So what was your number one key to victory? Establish the run, and I'm going to give that a nice green check. Check. Uh, I said the same thing. I said they needed to harness the energy of the herd crowd and run like hell, and they did absolutely do that, despite the opening drive touchdown followed by the interception. They, this crowd stayed engaged all game long, and they stayed loud when they needed to. Special shout-out, real quick, to the herd student section for causing Excellent. two Excellent. massive false start penalties, one early and one late, especially that one on a fourth and one with under a minute to go to push that to a fourth and six. Those guys deserved every bit of pizza that they're going to earn for getting those false start penalties. What was your number two? Number two was pressure the quarterback and that is a big green check yep absolutely four sacks on the day does the job uh this this herd seems to just give up a big run here and there by the quarterback it looks like it's going to happen until it doesn't otherwise no real damage done i said marshall needed to dominate the point of attack on the offensive line and defensive line and i'm going to give that a yep when your running back goes for 174 yards and you get four sacks on the day and hold their rushing game to you know not I'm wondering because they didn't shut it down, but they didn't do any damage on the ground. Aside from that one touchdown run and maybe another one late by by drones, um, but through the meat and potatoes of the game, didn't really happen. Uh, what was your third one? Create turnovers, and I can't give that. We got one, but uh, that's not a plural. And I was saying that we needed to get several in this game to just really, really change the uh the field and change the uh drives and that sort of thing so yeah red x for me that's fair my third one was i said the herd needed to play four solid quarters and i can't give that one a check mark i can't give it a full-on big bold red x either yeah because really after that primary first drive they settled in and played a lot better but it was just not a solid four quarters. It took the offense a little while to get going. The you know the 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 back to back touchdown allowed and interception. That's enough to exit right there. And we didn't score in the first and fourth, and they did score in the first and fourth. So yeah. big X for me on that one. All right, what was your last? Last uh, one was uh, to do all gas, no breaks. Now I got to give us a uh, an X on that because I feel like at the end, not because of any kind of coaching decision, I felt like our execution. You know, we uh, we had to start running because we weren't throwing efficiently, in my opinion. Now, did that also help run down the clock and everything? Yeah, but I don't think that we were intentionally trying to play scared or play not to lose. It's just. Some of the things, which we'll get into in just a minute, mm-hmm. didn't go our way. One of them was a play that didn't even get to happen, and the other was execution on a couple other plays due to some overthrows and underthrows. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. And I think like you, you get into this sort of – I don't want to call it conservative because they were just trying to run plays. They just weren't gaining yards. You know? That's so right. If you, if you convert one of those – Right. And you and you eat another minute and a half off the clock during that time frame, then maybe that turns into a check mark, right? But it just didn't. Sure. My, yep. my fourth key to victory was respect the mobility of drones. I think we did respect it, but we didn't do enough to shut it down. You know, yeah. he didn't have a lot of big plays, but he had a couple and he had a couple that 
accounted for some points. And so that's an X. Even though we did respect it, we didn't do enough to, you know, fully neutralize it enough uh, for my liking, you know. But all in all, two and two for me. Looks like two and two for you. But it all adds up to a hurt victory. It doesn't really matter. Let's go into some grades. What do you got for Cam in this big home game against Virginia Tech? I got a C minus. Uh, I think that it was uh, decently average because he hit some big uh, throws and then he had some overthrows and he had some underthrows. But the two picks definitely overshadow the one uh, touchdown. So I got it as a C minus. He yeah. was uh, he was not on his game for throwing the ball the way he was. I don't think that it was anything from pressure. Uh, some he just underthrew one to Kelly Lawson the the first pick of the game. That guy's six foot four, and he just did not seem there. He see, yeah. seemed like he was off on his throws. Yeah, you're right, and uh, you can't miss a guy that big. <laughs> yeah. Now, granted, if 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 Lawson doesn't make the interception, and that's a completed pass. It's probably going for a huge gain. Huge oh man, gain. he Coombs was wide open. You know, and if you throw that, I don't think you could float it. The uh, the announcer said you've got to throw that over top of him. I think to be able to do that. The guy's six four and had to jump for the interception. Yeah. So you're you're talking about floating it over there. That's either throwing it out of bounds because he was right on the uh, sideline, or that gives the safety time enough to get over there. But if he could have thrown it at a different angle to get it past that second line, you're talking talking twenty twenty five yards or something because no one was around him. Yeah, no but look, shout out to Lawson for being where he was supposed to be That's and right. being a right. heads-up athletic play in the 6-4 frame probably helped a little bit to make that an easier of a play for him. But you're right. The other one to me that sticks out was the the sideline pass that went to Talit Keaton that, you know, I could, we when we were doing the rewatch, I said, man, that ball's got to be – Talit's got to run to that ball, right? Because yeah. he, he's so damn fast. You just got to rear back and rip it and and make Talik go run to that ball because he probably will track it down. Yeah. So that that one was a little ho-hum for me. But otherwise, you know, solid C-minus day. I would really like to see Stam, Cam start consistently getting up into that B-plus or better range. I think if we're these, talking about the same pass with Talik, that would have been probably a 30-some yarder yeah. at minimum. Right, and that's if he runs yeah. him out of bounds right. with the pass. If he runs him slightly to where he can continue running, it very well could have went all the way, and that would have yeah. been a huge play. So, yeah, but you're right. It's the average, and now we're starting to get into some Sunbelt games. We've got homecoming coming up, Old Dominion's on the horizon. Yeah, we got to go down to Raleigh and play NC State, too, before it's full-on SBC play. But we got to get Cam to notch up into that B, B-plus consistently range now. You know, yep. we're, we're enough into the season to where you you just need to be there, you know, and he's not doing anything to make us lose games, yeah. but we saw him get better week after week after week last season. And now we need to see him do that again right now. That's all. Mm -hmm. Offensively as a whole, what do you got for this herd team? 24 points. I feel like they left points off the board. So a uh, great rushing day, not a great passing day. What do you got? I've got a B, uh, and I think that the points that they left on the table, but also the two interceptions, uh, they just could have done a little bit more. Um, I got to give them a B. Yeah, it's fair. You know, outside of Rasheen Ali, who really shined, we didn't have a um, 
wide receiver that had a stellar day. You know, five catches leads the way. That's not bad, but uh, we don't have anybody get even close to 100 yards. You know, the quarterback only has 166, so you can't expect anybody's going to have a blowout day. Uh, but it just left a, a little to be desired. Defensively, what do you got for the herd? A minus. And I feel like if they could have corralled the quarterback just a little bit. Now, we're talking about a guy that's 235 pounds barreling down. And as I told you, it looked like every time he fell, he fell forward for seven yards. Right. You know, he was a downhill runner when he got it. Some of them were designed for that. But if we corral him, a minus. I mean, yeah. A plus. So I'm giving us an A minus. I think I'm, despite the victory, right? It, it's going to have to be just a little bit lower for me. I think I'm pushing that B plus range because this defense allows 6.1 yards per rush to Virginia Tech, who coming into this game could not run the damn football. Yeah. You know, and, and we talked about that and we, and we thought, man, this could be really ugly for them if they can't move the ball and drones is forced to pass. And, you know, we're able to run the ball and then. You know, they came in and were able to do just that. They were able to come in and run the football on the herd, 184 yards allowed. I mean, uh, Drones has 75 yards rushing on on 15 carries for two touchdowns. And he would have had more because that includes the sack yardage, right? Yeah, well, his individual rushing yards. Well, I don't know if it comes off his individual or the team, but one or the other, it, it, it may... But they didn't allow a 100-yard rusher. The problem was they allowed two guys to go for at least 75 and two touchdowns on the ground. Tootin had that long run, and then he had another uh, pretty long run. I don't think that one was a pass. I can't remember. He did have a pass catch, I think, for a a decent gain. But he had two chunk plays, if I remember. Yeah, he did. He had a a long 49-yard run that did not result in a touchdown, of course. Jones had the 31-yard run that did result in a touchdown and then added on another one later. Uh, you must be talking about the 19-yard catch that Tootin had down the yeah, sideline. Yeah, but, but the first uh, drive, Tootin, right before the 31-yard uh, rush by Drones, Tootin had a 28-yarder there in the opening. So he had a 49 and a 28 plus that 19-yard yeah. catching uh, run. So coming into the game, you know, we had talked about Virginia Tech only averaging like two yards a carry as a team, and then they they tripled that in this one, which – you know, yes, it might be just several chunk plays, but still, the numbers just don't go away. You know, the, the plays still happened. Overall, great effort. Don't get me wrong. But if we're nitpicking, yeah. i got to nitpick a little bit. Sure. Special teams-wise, what do you got for the herd? C-minus. We missed a field goal, and yeah. then everything else was pretty much average. You know, I, I liked what we did with the, uh, the kicks. Like I said, it almost uh, caught them so off guard that you're talking about Scoring a touchdown, then going down and getting an onside kick, even though it was a pooch kick, you're just 20 to 30 yards further down the field. You know, we would have been in uh, near the red zone at that point if we recovered that. I think it would have been around the 30 or something like that that we would have started our drive. That could have put an early nail in the coffin if we get that. Um, So C minus just because that one didn't materialize and two, we missed a field goal. I tell you, I liked it just about every time I think, except for it might've been the last time we did it because the guy got, it got returned up to near the 40 or something like that. And I thought, man, why it's getting later in the game, make them go longer down the field. You know, it, 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 it almost was something awesome the first time. 
And you know it's not going to happen again. The, the guys aren't going to look at each other again and go, is it yours or mine? Somebody's going to field that ball. So, But most of them were fair caught except right, for yes. that last one. That except last one, for that last one. Late in the game was like, damn, you know, now they're really, you know, got an opportunity to do something here. But you're right. Other than that, it was okay. A little bit of a scare on the punt I mentioned from Pierce. And then after that, it was Keaton back there fielding the punt. So a quick switch and, uh, you know, making that one right for the herd. Nothing to write home about, but we got to get the field goal game figured out. It's got it's got to get figured out. Yeah. Coaching staff, what do you got for the coaches this week? Give them an A. Go watch that. Seek it out if you haven't seen it. And I'm not talking about just the tail end of it. You have to watch the entire speech right before they run out of the tunnel by Coach Huff. Uh, motivating, yes. Everyone should have wanted to run through a wall for that guy after that speech. But two. To me, he had them ready. Uh, defense was ready, so you got to give all those coaches their props as well. The um, P5 coming into our house, you know, no one seemed to, to fear that. That's coaching, getting them ready for that, making them believe in themselves and all that. And I felt like we called a pretty good offensive game. One thing that stands out to me, the announcers um, – highlighted this but i thought this during the game was we were probably going to see another double pass the pass that went to talik keaton when they were in uh, the double stack on the left and right there was a false start that negated that play it didn't even get to uh to go but at that point virginia tech had seen what was coming but rasheen ali was streaking down the middle and then was probably like you and i talked going to go to the right sideline, which was on Talit Keaton's side, and you probably could have thrown it up like a punt and he would have caught it because no one was going to be around. Yeah. So you're, you're talking about some coaching here that was probably going to go for the throat, uh, pulling out uh, a big-time play you know, when no one was expecting it, and uh, I just have to give him overall an A. Yeah, I think it was a really great game plan overall you know yeah. and and coach huff has has garnered some props this week being named some you know coaching of coach of the week by some you know online personalities and 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 uh, entities and and coach seymour got some props it was the same thing as like the you know repping the sunbelt you know the sunbelt coach of the week type stuff and some from some online entities but man you know i tweeted this i think on the heels of the seymour uh, accolade it's not just him man Ralph Street had his guys ready to roll. Mm -hmm. Shannon Morrison had his guys ready to roll. Travis Jackson had his guys ready to roll. Dude, that whole defense was just ready to roll. Shout out to Telly Lockett from what he's been doing with Rasheen Ali for years. You can tell that those guys work so well together. It is just, it's almost unfair at times. When Rasheen's on, I don't know how many in the country are better than him. You know, and he was on. He was on in that game, despite being bottled up here and there, despite the shoestring tackles early on that, that just seemed to elude that big run early for him. He had a good time. He had a good game. He had a really good game. I forgot one other aspect of this coaching. You know, we came into this 2-0, and and we had moved offensive linemen around to get to this 2-0, and and we had a lot of tackles for loss in those first two games, and we saw another shuffle of moving Trent Holler back to guard, moving Osborne back to center, moving Tucker back to guard, and then putting in 
Lloyd Willis in there as uh, the right tackle. And we saw a drastic drop off in the tackles for yards. We saw more two and three yard gains instead of two and three yard losses to where Rasheen didn't have to hit a 61 yarder or something like that to get going. He was getting five and seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, just looked like a totally different run blocking unit with the way that they changed everything up. Yeah. Don't know if that's how it's going to be uh, from here on out. We don't know what they're going to do. Uh, but I do have to say that was a good coaching decision because it obviously played out well on the field. Yeah, it, it looks like a fluid situation along the herd offensive line right now. You know, we don't know where everybody needs to be. I think they're still trying to figure it out. But ultimately, it's still a 3-0 and undefeated team. So this team is good enough to try to figure it out on the fly and still win football games. And, yeah, it helps that you've got a really great running back to help you do that too. But uh, just an overall stellar game plan. Big win for the guys. Happy for Huff and, and his staff. Happy for those players. You know, I know they wanted that one back. We've owed Green, uh, we've owed uh, Virginia Tech one for a number of years. You know, these guys have absolutely nothing to do with that. They weren't on those rosters 10 years ago or whatever. We just let them slip away, and those guys were able to give the herd their first victory over the Hokies and, pff, since 1940, I think they yeah. said. So that's pretty yep. freaking cool. Okay, here's where it gets really great, Russ. What about the fans this week? What's the grade for the herd fan base against Virginia Tech? I do not have enough pluses to right? give the A plus 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 plus. I just run out of them. So A plus infinity is what we're going for here. Uh, the stripes look great. The We Are Marshall was loud as can be. I do have to say, and I mentioned this to you while we were watching the rewatch. If I'm sitting there, standing there, as it were, screaming We Are, and I look around and there are some people that aren't, Think of every single person in there saying we are in Marshall at the same time, instead of just saying, well, there's, it's loud enough. I won't get involved. No, mm-hmm. man, do your part. Do mm-hmm. your part. Yeah. I don't care if you're eight or 80, do your part. Just, it, just voicing. We are Marshall just on third downs, just making some kind of noise, fourth down, making some kind of noise, stand up, be loud, be seen. But I'm not bitching because A plus 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 plus. We packed that place out. We were loud, and it was a difference. You could tell that it made a difference to the team, and we got a couple of false starts. Yep, that's right, man. The students, like I said earlier, they really, really brought forth a top tier effort this week. But so did all of the herd fans. They came early. They fa- they packed the place out. Had it not taken longer to get into the stadium because mm-hmm. of fewer gates open now, the place would have been full before kickoff. And and you know I have to. You know, I'm sitting here in line. You've got a lot to think about when it takes 30 minutes to get in, right? And I heard people bitching. Why didn't they open this gate? Why didn't they open that gate? Or you know here at B, uh, there were three different physical entrance. Well, they had it set up a certain way they had one person there checking the bags and one person person scanning the tickets did they have another person they could have brought over there and opened up the gate maybe but you know whose fault it was all of us trying to go in at 11 45 mm-hmm. it's obviously going to bottleneck it doesn't matter if they would have opened up two more gates it still would have taken time so if we would have gone in at 11 30 we would have missed all that line 
and I know for a fact my father-in-law came and sat next to me and he got into the game about a minute later than me and he was about 20 minutes behind me trying to get into the line. So it was just that 10-minute window, 15-minute window when it was hard to get in. Yeah, we and got I, in a little we got in a little earlier. You know, yeah. I was in my seat probably 12 minutes before kickoff. But um I, I know, you know, th- this tells me a couple things. A it shouldn't take Virginia Tech coming to town for herd fans to show up and show out like that because now you know you're capable of doing it. That's right. You know? And you know how awesome it looks when you do do it. You That's know right. how great it sounds when you do do it. And these guys were energized and jacked up to come out of that tunnel and see that striped stadium, hear that crowd. You know, you could tell that that it, it kept them – on another level, you know, you can tell. And, and when I talked to Owen several weeks ago, months ago, he said, man, there's nothing better than running out of that tunnel to a packed Jones C. Edwards Stadium. Nothing yeah. better. You know, yeah. so I know for a fact that it 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 has an impact on those guys. And you know yep. for a fact it has an impact on how they play. So there's That's no right. reason to do it. It doesn't matter if it – who else is on the schedule? Old Dominion on the schedule? Show up, right? Uh, who else is on the schedule this year? Georgia State, Georgia Southern on the schedule? Show up. Arkansas State? Show up, right? James Madison. Thursday night on, game. on a Thursday, show up, right? Because you need that home field advantage. You know, it, it makes a difference to those guys. It makes a difference to your own experience, the more people that are there. The uh, one, more th- th- one more thing about coaching, sorry. Um, okay. I think that that final false start was also a design. You know how you have, if you've yeah, got sure. the ball, you have a let's draw them off sides play, you know? Uh, let's try to do the the fake clap. Let's try to get them to jump so we can get a first down. We came out of that timeout, and the entire line looked like synchronized swimming. Just one motion moved. Everyone moved one space to the right, and that was enough to make their uh, right tackle jump. And they went from fourth and one to fourth and six, and that drastically changed that final play that they had. So – I got to give that to the coaches too. They dialed up the correct play at the correct time to try to do that. I think it, I think it was 100% a work for them to do. Sure was, man. That was like a perfect storm thing. You had the students going crazy. You had the crowd really loud. You had the uh, defensive line shift in unison and it was all enough to make the one offensive lineman jump early. And, and that really thwarted the game right there for the, for the Hokies. They, they were driving and we needed something and, and we got it with under a minute to go. That's a big time play right there. That is a big, big time play. Last thing I've got to say about fans, Russ, is I had some family come down from Virginia and, uh, it's their first herd game. And I sat with them. They were at our tailgate. Uh, and you know, sometime during the game, I just ask just in general conversation. And I'm like, well, how is it? You know, and they're like, man, this is really cool. This is a really cool place. This is an awesome uh, town to come watch a football game. It's a great little stadium to come check out, you know, because they, they go to tech games every now and again. And they, they I, I was talking to Devin. He's like, man, this is what we like to do. We like to travel around and go to games. You know, we like to, and they were ripping off all the stadiums that they'd been to in recent, uh, you know, in uh, recent history. And, you know, they, they travel and they see some games all over the place. And they were like, man, Marshall's really cool. I would definitely come back here again so the hospitality was on point the environment was on point the team was on point and everything just added up to everybody that was in green and white anyway having a really 
great time. And I would like to think that outside of the three hours, three and a half hours maybe that the game was being played, those people that were clad in Virginia Tech colors also had a really great time. So A-plus all the way around, not just herd fans, but also Hokie fans. I had mm -hmm. positive interactions with all of them and really great conversations before, during, and even after the game when you know they were disappointed they had just lost to the herd. It's the way a football game ought to be, man. Yep. That's the way it ought to be. Overall, what do you got for this uh, game experience? A-plus. I mean, getting a first win in 83 years. We don't play them every year. We've played them sporadically over those 83 years. But uh, that 2013 game was still sticking in the crawl a little bit and yep. uh, got that monkey off our back. And uh, nationally, you know, people look at it and it's like, they beat Virginia Tech. They don't say they beat Virginia Tech that seemed to be down this year. Yeah. They they say the herd beat Virginia Tech. Instant respect for us. So great tailgate, great time, great atmosphere, great weather, except for what you can still see the remnants of a massive oh, sunburn. Yeah. yeah. I got the sunglasses uh, outline going on big and bold. My arms literally caught fire the next day because they were so burnt, but hey, I, I, worth it. I just wish they made something, some type of screen for the sun that you could put on yourself. Uh, I also would... wish I was responsible enough to buy said screen made for the sun and apply <laughs> said screen made for the sun instead of going, yeah, it'll be all right. It's, the weather said 73, 73 my ass. I burnt to a crisp out there. <laughs> and I got, I got burnt worse than my stove from that hot honey. <laughs> Real quick, uh, three more things. Who's your offensive MVP? Uh, Got to be Rasheen Ali, man. Got to be. Who's the defensive guy for you this week? Tough, tough, tough. Because you look at what On Martin did. Uh, he, he really stepped up in this game. But you look at Owen Porter forced a fumble uh, that we recovered and uh, changed that uh, drive. Uh, had one, two sacks. Half a sack to two sacks, whichever yeah. way you want to look at it. Um, Sam Burton had another big game. Eli Neal had a big game. Micah Abraham absolutely shut everybody Blanket. down. And he had that huge hit on Gosnell. Uh, looked like a miniature uh, Larry McLeod hit there at textbook tackle. So it is so hard to pick. So I'm just going to go with... I'm going to go with uh, Owen Porter just because he seems to be the heart and soul of that defense. And he seems to be, you know, when he comes up and he's beating the chest and he comes up and he does the six shooter and he does all that, I just got to give it to him because I feel like he's the captain of that defense by default. Mm -hmm. And I feel like they feed off that energy that he brings. So, oh, Porter. not Cannot argue with it. I don't think yeah. there's anybody on this entire roster that Huntingtonians identify with more than the Huntington kid, right? It, than, than Owen Porter. So, excellent pick. Special teams, who you got this week? I'm going to go with carry on Martin with that hit. Uh, I, I mean, you <laughs> Had know, to get I mean, it in there somehow. <laughs> I mean, what what else? I mean, there wasn't anything that really stood out, stood out. No. Uh, so, you know... Uh, Punting was not bad, but there wasn't anything that there was like a 78 yarder or anything like that. Uh, <laughs> we missed a, we missed a kick. Uh, we didn't have anything major in the return game. So I'm going to go with that hit stick maneuver on uh, number 19 
who totally didn't see it coming, but he sure did the second time when he did a fair catch from the couple times. <laughs> well, every time he tried to return one, he didn't see it coming. And that one just, <laughs> that one just really drove it home. It's like, man, uh, a special shout out though, to uh, John McConnell for that, uh, uh, around the, uh, Oh, the wrangling tackle. Uh, yeah. Around That's the right. neck, uh, takedown, uh, of said number 19 for Virginia tech. Uh, <laughs> it was, uh, brought back from a holding penalty, I think it was number 19 that he was. No, number 19 was the guy that did the hold. Number I don't know. It held, was awesome. Number, number 19 held, and I can't remember number 11 or whatever number it was on the returner, but same guy, and he he got blasted. So every time I see something like that happen, uh, this is a We Are Marshall moment, right? Because I think about uh, Matthew McConaughey's character, Jack Lingle, of course, going – the kid goes, I'm a kicker. He goes, yes, but after you kick the football, you're a football player. You know, so that's what he does. Remember in the movie that yeah. the kicker makes a big hit and he's like, you know, they, that's what I think of. And that, that McConnell did that gave me a, a you know, a live, a we are Marshall moment. So shout well, out to him. That was pretty, he awesome. certainly was a football player on that play. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, the herd welcomes the old Dominion Monarchs to town this weekend for homecoming. And in our preview episode, we were uh, fortunate enough to sit down with our buddies at the ODU Monarchists. Uh, they're very much like we are. They're they're a podcast and a group of fans that do a lot of really good things in the uh, old Dominion fandom world. So I'm really excited about having those guys on the show and helping us get a little insight that maybe we otherwise wouldn't know about. Uh, regarding Old Dominion as we head into homecoming. So later this week, we'll have that put out. But for right now, Russ, around the herd we go. Yeah, let's go around the herd and let's start with softball. We picked up a commit from 2024 class, outfielder Diamond Leslie. Yep. You got any, so. got any info on her you want to pass along? I mean, Alpharetta, Georgia, I saw that she's a perennial 500 hitter over, mm -hmm. you know, I listed the stats from her senior year, but if you go to her max preps profile, you can see that she's a perennial 500 hitter, really good fielder as well. So I, I, this looks to be like a very solid all around addition for the future of herd softball. Really excited about having diamond on our diamond. That's going to be really great. So, um, softball is just kind of off and running. It never really has slowed down since the coaching change. And, you know, after, after the waves settled down from those, you know, the portal outs and the, you know, all that kind of stuff and, and, and Morgan to the helm and the coaching staff solidified, it really hasn't stopped. There's been a lot of positivity, a lot of recruiting news, a lot of really good stuff coming out with softball. And, um, since we're talking softball, I stopped by after the women's soccer game on Sunday. I was driving down Third Avenue. And I thought, "Hey, are they playing softball over there?" And I stopped in a lot. They surely were. It was like a you know a scrimmage game against Davis and Elkins. And I stopped in and watched for about an hour and a half. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, this uh, I was delightfully surprised. Looks like the bats, the the long ball herd, might be a thing again this year, Russ. You know, we saw that a couple of years ago, and we deviated from it a little bit, even though Automo and I was having a great year last year. Grace was having a great year, uh, power hitting a little bit, and, and Cam, and Cam's back, and Riley's back. But uh, there were some long balls hit, and, and it was nice to watch. So we don't know exactly what this herd softball team will be, but I bet you they hit a lot of long balls again, and that's something we all all can get behind. Staying with softball, fall ball continues. They've got a game on Friday, so anyone in the area can go over and watch that. 
Uh, they will have that alumni tailgate with us on on Saturday. You'll see a lot of uh, familiar faces over there if you have followed softball for any amount of time. And then on Sunday, that home run derby that we talked about earlier. So a yep. lot of stuff for softball this weekend. Yeah, uh, great, great ways to interact with the softball alums if you stop by the Thundercast tailgate. And please find a way to support the home run derby. You know, even if it's even if it's a penny a foot, right? I mean, golly, even if it's a penny a foot, a couple of bucks here and a couple of bucks there, it's a fundraiser for the softball team, you know? Mm-hmm. And and they win a lot of games for, you know, the, the allocations that they have. Just imagine if they had larger pool of resources, what they would be able to do. So... We've rallied around softball since we started this show, and that's not going to stop. In fact, I hope it amplifies a little bit. You know, I really hope that it amplifies a little bit. I know the parents appreciate what we do. The players appreciate what we do. And we've got to get to know some of the coaches now because there's some newness there in Huntington. But so far, so good. You know, the relationship seems like it's really solid, and I'm looking forward to, uh, like I said, amplifying what we're able to do with herd softball because we really like that program. And I, and I said it moving into the Sun Belt, this has the chance to be a cornerstone program, and so far I've been proven right with that. On the baseball diamond, we picked up a commit from first base slash outfielder Carter Walters. Got anything on him? Yeah, uh, I had – it took me a while to find his profile because um, – I kept searching and I was getting somebody else. So there's another Carter Walters out there, but uh, I nicely asked our Carter to link me to his profile so that I could get some uh, get some info on him. But uh, solid player, you know, he's going to be uh, going to be a nice addition to providing some offensive firepower. There wasn't a lot on this profiles that I could find as far as uh, like multi-year stats, but trending in the direction that I think he's going to be a player. You know, it might take a couple of years. Got to find your way onto the diamond to acclimate to the college game. We talk about that a lot with herd football, and and this is no different. So, class of 2025 player, still a young guy. So, a lot of development to go, a lot of growing to do still at that age. But I like the numbers as we move, uh, as as we're moving through this year, and as he gets around to being a part of the herd, could really be a pop for the lineup, and we and we need some more pop in the lineup. We mentioned the golf tourney already, the Greg Rousey Memorial. That'll be at Guyane on Saturday, or Friday. Uh, also, the turf is down, obviously. Uh, we talked about that a little bit last week, but it looks beautiful. And to top it off, they got that nice new Jack Cook field paint there in the uh, in the foul territory. I, w- I had said I hoped it was behind home plate. It's it's off to the side, uh, I think, on the third base side. Maybe it's Probably the on the home side, I would yeah. say, on the third well, base I, side. I couldn't tell where it was there, but you would think it would be on the home side. Um, but just nice to see. And you said it best when that went down, and you said uh, on Twitter, you know, for that it'll never happen crowd, you can see it here. It's here. Mm-hmm. Take a breath. It, it's yeah. finally here. And and to take that a step further, the guys were out there taking balls on the field today. That's right. Yep. You know, so so some real history made today. It's been a weekend of herd history, and it's bled over into Tuesday, right? Because this is the first balls, practice balls taken in the first ground balls fielded on Jack Cook Field by Marshall Thundering Herd players. Guys, it's a reality, and it's so yeah. freaking we're cool. si- 
six months away from where they said, you know, it would be finished and we're taking grounders on the turf that's already down. So yeah. I know there's a lot of work to go, but we we're going to have a field guys. We're going to, we're, this is real. It's we have a there. field. Yeah. <laughs> Ain't no more gonna, we have one. All right. So, uh, over in volleyball, they, uh, lost on Thursday to old dominion three to one, but came back and swept them on Friday, three sets to none. Uh, they will be traveling to Georgia state for, uh, another in conference play Thursday and Friday of this week. Yeah, I think really what I need to do, Russ, is I guess I just need to go to all the volleyball matches because that was the first clean, one I'd been to, and they clean swept sweep with you there, Old Dominion, you know. And I know they did that just for me. I appreciate that, you know. The best possible environment that that you can ask for is a is a sweep. But, dude, very very entertaining game. Uh, we got some players, man. You know, I can't sit here and tell you I know a lot about volleyball, but I knew what I was watching, you know, mm -hmm. and, and we had several players just absolutely dominating the match. Uh, Lid Montague had a great match. Brent Brown was a machine in that game. And just let me tell you that Jasmine Parrish literally has a cannon. Like, when she goes up to spike a ball, it feels like she can leap out of the gym and put such velocity behind a spike, it is amazing. It was amazing to me. You know, I mean, you expect there to be a certain amount of pop and velocity at this level of volleyball. You you just expect all these players have that ability. But it was like an extra gear. It was like an extra bang, an extra pop. It was awesome, man. I just found myself sitting up in the bleachers of the camera and just like captivated by what I was watching. It was so cool, man. So I had to put that out there. It was really entertaining. I, I implore all herd fans to at least please go watch one volleyball match. We give tickets away to all the home matches. So if you really if you're like, you know what, I'll go check it out. Please do. It is very, very cool. It was very entertaining. I'm glad I went. I am very glad I went. What'd you think about that Terraflex floor? That's really it looks nice. Sweet. Isn't it? Yeah, and, uh, it looks super sweet. It changes the whole face of the cam. You know, I know the the girls love it. They've talked to us before about that, and and um, it just it does. It looks like a volleyball venue. Yeah, I mean, it always is going to look like the cam because it's the cam, and there's basketball stuff all over the place. But you know, when you're looking down at the floor, it looks like a dedicated volleyball venue. It looks so super cool. It was just an awesome experience. So so glad I went. Tennis had Thunder in the Mountains, and uh, that was not just against WVU. Uh, Marshall and WVU are both there, but Radford and a couple other schools were there. They uh, had some – I don't want to go over the results of all three days, but just for example, we won six of seven singles matches on the final day. Mm -hmm. uh, we won 12 doubles and singles matches combined on the first game or first day of uh, matches. So uh, really good start to the season that kicked us off. And uh, we now have three different things coming up that uh, this week already, the ITF $15,000 Hilton head is uh, going on down uh, in Hilton Head, South Carolina, September 25th, Monday, through this coming Sunday, October the 1st, coinciding with Cary, North Carolina's ITA All-American. That is this coming Saturday through next Sunday. And then 
we have Monday through Sunday of next week, the ITF $25,000 Redding in Redding, California. All three things kind of overlapping each other. We'll have players at all three. Yeah, this is going to be an exciting tennis season, I think, for the herd. We got a lot of our high performers returning from a year ago. Players like Emma Vander Hayden and Johanna Strom, of course. Um, Aisling McGrain is back, I believe. Reiki Gellar is back. Dorotea Djokovic is back. I mean, we had a lot of high performers last year, and 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 this team is poised to make some noise in the Sun Belt again. I'm excited for tennis, man. I I, I really am. You know, I I can't again pretend to be like a super duper fan but i love it when our when our programs are doing well and tennis did really well last year and based on you know the thunder in the mountains they came out of the gates rolling lots of matches won over the three-day event so i am i am really excited about tennis uh for the herd this year that day one, uh, Hurion and uh, vander hayden went undefeated three three to nothing um on the day uh, it just seems like you get some of these players that they're great as singles and everything, but they might not be as, as good on doubles. But then sometimes you just match up two people that just play well together as yeah. a, as a team. And they seem to do that. Yeah. All right. So we are now going over to men's golf. They finished fourth at the virtues intercollegiate, uh, Right around, uh, it's not held in Oxford, Ohio. It's actually in Bir- the at the Virtues. I can't remember the name of the town, but it's hosted by Miami, Ohio. Uh, Ryan Bilby was one shot off of the lead mm-hmm. at eight under par. Uh, so great uh, job. Uh, I know Tyler Jones and uh, Lincoln on the other guy, but they led us on the final day and everything. Bilby actually uh, did was in the lead at, at a certain point and ended up finishing second. Uh, well, they go ahead. I thought he finished tied for fourth, one stroke off the lead. Maybe I just read that wrong. I was thinking maybe, maybe some, somebody won and maybe three guys might've been off the, you know what I mean? Well, that'd be tied for second if they were one off. Yeah, I know, but I, maybe I read it wrong. I probably did read it wrong. I just Unless, thought I saw the only way he could be tied for fourth is if three different people tied to lead. Oh so, yeah, that's true. Well, I doubt that happened, but I, I'm sure I read it wrong. I mean, I, it's not like I never make mistakes on this show. Ever. Well, we finished fourth as a team, yeah. so that could have been what you were thinking. But I took it that he was second. I did not look at the leaderboard. I just read the article as it was reported on Herdza. Right. Yeah. Uh. Anyway, they are going on to the Tom Tontamonia Invitational on Monday and Tuesday, also in Ohio. Cool. Cross country, we have the Louisville Classic on Saturday. You want to guess where that's at? <laughs> it's in Louisville. Uh, need to keep the momentum going that we had here after our uh, Thundering Herd Invitational and hope to see uh, new records set, which seems to be the, uh, the theme anytime we have uh, our uh, guys and gals running. Yeah, no doubt. Women's basketball. Go ahead. I I really like following this program. I say that a lot, but I really like following this program because it's, it's stuff that most people can follow along. You don't need to know the intricacies of, you know, like volleyball and strategy, you know, you're like, 
I understand you just try the to outrun the, you yeah. just try to outrun the next person. I understand the disciplines and what it means. So it's easy to follow and they're good. They're they're good. So yeah. they're really easy to follow. Women's basketball practice starts on Monday. Men's basketball practice has already started. Don't forget hoops in Huntington for both squads. Swim and dive will also be over there. Ian Walsh's, Ian Walsh's squad. So uh, get out and get over to hoops in Huntington. You'll have a great time. You'll get to interact with these guys and gals. And first little glimpse of Kim Stevens Caldwell's team. Yeah, I think there's going to be a metric ton of <laughs> excitement around women's basketball. And it may not be early because I feel like some people won't be quick to be like excited for some reason, you know, like, but by the time, a cut, you know, you're a month in or something, I think people will be like, conference hey, play. I'm on this, you know, I'm, I can, I'm behind this. This is going to be cool. I think when we get into conference play, it's going to hit everybody that you'll see the style of play. You'll see the fast pace. You'll see the high scores. And yeah. yeah. And of course, you know, we'll have to do, you know, some roster breakdowns and things to get people prepared for that. Because remember we hit the portal. She hit the portal. Huge, huge, huge. like half of the roster got overturned and she brought in players from Glenville that were her high performers at Glenville. So we've got to re-familiarize folks with all of those moves and what happened because man, you know, this is a uh, this is could be a win instantly type scenario for Kim. When there's a new offensive scheme, you just have to bring and defense, you know, if you have that offensive scheme, it's got to be a different defensive scheme too. You can't play different on one end than you do the other. It's just going to be fast-paced the whole time. Yeah. So you have to build your roster for that. So uh women's soccer uh, they've been in a skid and it's trying to get out. And as you were talking, they have some key injuries and things like that. They lost four to nothing at a very good James Madison squad at JMU. And then they lost at home two to nothing to South Alabama undefeated South Alabama. Yeah. I might add. And they will be at Troy this Saturday, hoping to turn things around. Yep. I, that was uh, what I thought was going to be, the nightcap, even though it was a noon Sunday game, I thought that was going to be the nightcap to my herd athletics weekend. Uh, I went to the game against South Alabama and South Alabama is really good. I mean, they were Mm -hmm. smothering. It's like they controlled the pace of the match the entire way. And it was, it was tough, man, because I I noticed some key injuries to some very key players. And, you know, I'm not going to put that out there because I haven't seen it out there if you go to a match, if you're following the program, you'll know. But uh, I don't think it's necessarily a coincidence that we're seeing a skid now because yeah. uh, we need some of those players that are out to be back, and I don't know when or if they'll be back. We'd like to think it, they will, but I'm not sure. South Alabama, they can't take anything away from them. They were really good. They're undefeated for a reason. Uh, but that was a really good match, man. I thought I was unsure how many people were going to be there, you know, on the heels of a big football game. You never know if people are like wiped out from the weekend and will they make it. And I went and I was pleasantly surprised. I bet you there were se- there were several hundred people there, including a friend of ours that I hadn't seen in probably a decade or more. And I just happened to turn around and he was at the concession stand and I had to do a double take. And Walked over and talked to him, and I was like, well, hell, I'll just come up and sit with you for a little while. And we chatted for, you know, basically the second half of that match. 
that was a really um a really nice bonus, you know, somebody I wasn't expecting to see and then I spent some time with and that was really cool. But overall the experience was really fun. You know, there was a lot of energy there and and I saw some players from other sports there supporting our women's soccer team, which is always nice to see. So, you know, we get some of those players back. We we get a little streak again and we'll get the mojo back, you know. It, it's not that far away. I just think we need to get healed up and get things back on track. And finally, men's soccer, you're number one in the nation in RPI in every poll that could be. We are number one in the nation. We hosted number three at the time, UCF, and we beat them one to nothing. And you were at that game. I'll let you talk on it a little bit. But I just want to say at the very end where they scored the goal with 24 seconds, 42, say whatever it was. And then that, that goal was negated. Mm -hmm. Boy, that was just a tense and then celebratory time in my house when I jumped up because (laughs) I did not get to go to the game. Uh, As you took someone uh, uh, with us, I did not have a ticket at this major sold out event, but I also had to go home and play dad after playing tailgate guy all day long yeah yeah i I was at the match first off i gotta say sellout crowd amazing environment when i say loud i mean freaking loud man those folks get into it and yes i'm sure it was because of the the uh, magnitude of the match a little bit as well but Gee, money. It was an unbelievably great environment, man. I, I I can't drive that home enough. There were some guys that were behind us. There were probably like four or five buddies, like two, three rows behind us, and they didn't quiet down at all. I mean, they were they were given some of the best heckling that I've ever heard in the best possible way. You know, it wasn't like derogatory. There was no, you know, like, cuss word type stuff they weren't just being mean type stuff it was some of the most creative wonderful heckling i've ever heard in my life the type of stuff where you go i can respect that i can respect that level of trolling sellout crowd three thousand and seventy five people standing room only and they were elbow to elbow all around the perimeter of that field and man i'll tell you it was intense for the whole thing ucf's a good team they really are but we're a better team. And being down three starters, prolific scorers, and still being able to take care of business like that, that just proves the the type of team that this herd team is. I mean, they are damn good. Uh, shout out to the UCF coaching staff for trying to get away with the fast one there to close out the game. You know, they scored that goal um, by trying to catch Parada asleep, you know, and just attack the ball before he could get rid of it. But I guess they were ruled offside or something like that. And that's why it didn't happen. Yeah. Uh, I, it was kind of the announcer was going back and forth saying that it was illegal a little yeah. bit. Uh, uh, but it could have been not just that it could have been the act of what he did, how he did it. But also once he did it, as soon as he did it, that made them offsides. Yeah. You know, yeah. if that made sense. So yeah, either, either way, uh, but but if it works, 
then it works, you know? Yeah. So it was definitely, you're going to lose anyway. So that yeah, was your last well ditch tried. effort to try it. You know, you get, it doesn't hurt, but I'll tell you what, this was the funniest thing to me. And I know that it's soccer. I know that it is, but those UCF guys, I, you know, our seats are like two rows, three rows behind their bench, the, the visiting bench. Dude, they celebrated like they won the freaking Super Bowl because they tied the match. And I mean, like, they were acting like they won the match. And I was thinking, man, you guys are really going all out for a tie, you know. And I know that it's soccer and that means something and you still get points and it's not like, you know, it's just, it's not inconsequential. But man, they were really, really just going to another level with their celebrations over a over a, a tie that ultimately within a minute and a half did not stand. <laughs> yeah. And, and again, we're down our best player, Matthew bill. We're down Garcia Pasquale, uh, and I'm blanking on the third, but we're three starters from yeah. your number one ranked yeah. team are out. And that's the best you can do is your, going to try a, a cheap pull, cheap pull a fast one yeah for a tie against yeah. uh, you know and i don't know maybe they had a starter out as well but i don't know i think we would have heard if they would have had a player of the caliber of matthew bell out and oh by the way he wasn't all that we had out yeah you know yeah yeah it, it was very impressive showing man it was very 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 impressive it did get a little chippy several times in the match. It looked like UCF was able to get away with some things that Marshall was not getting away with. So that just proves that there was no home cooking going on. There was nothing like that. The herd was kind of having to earn it despite, you know, scoring in the 25th minute. Uh, they had to go the remainder, you know, what, the remaining 65 minutes or whatever of that match nose to nose and 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 step for step with UCF. Neither team was backing down an inch. Neither team. And it shows. Final 30 seconds of the match they're trying to pull a quick one, you know. But it was an awesome environment to be in. The last thing I have to say about around the herd is I tweeted this and I want to drive it home because I think a lot of folks missed it. Um sell out crowds at both venues. Marshall's now official capacity are both capped at the Jones Edwards Stadium and the Vet at a 75. And I yeah. think that is just such an awesome Marshall detail that it's 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 almost uh, it should be that way, you know. Three thousand one hundred seventy-five, uh, thirty-one thousand four hundred and seventy-five. I just think that's such a cool detail. And shout out to whoever thought to do that because it's so perfectly awesome. I, I also want to say that we uh, set that record and beat uh, the last time was two years ago. Uh, in September, it was against WVU, the yeah. previous record. Uh, so you've got an in-state, you know, however many people WVU brought down or from Charleston, Days Valley, wherever WVU fans are, and you've got the history between the two coaches there, uh, both from the same coaching tree uh, with Grassy uh, going up against WVU's team. Um, this was UCF that came in here. There were so, no UCF fans there. So this was all Marshall. Yeah. So, but I also want to highlight that we have now out of at least the top 10, but even further than that, uh, our attendance here that I'm looking 12 different games that we've got over 1400. And you, I just looked at James Madison who has a really good history of soccer down there for men and women. And that would have been their record. I think. 
down there. Maybe UVA or maybe UNC, when they came to town, they topped mm -hmm. 1,500, but everything else was below that. We now have 12 over 1,400, and by the way, we are 10-0-2 in those 12 games. So wow. if you pack the vet, there's a really good chance we're going to dominate some teams. It's almost like what Owen Porter said about football also applies to soccer. It? it applies and to it probably everything. also applies to basketball and volleyball, volleyball. and baseball yeah. and, and softball that's why we always tell you folks if you can go go you'll have a great time and you have a positive impact on the outcome on the field most of wasn't, the time wasn't there five dollar tickets to this the standing room only seats were five bucks five bucks and five a lot bucks. of people like going and standing anyway i've seen it there when it wasn't yeah a capacity crowd and they like to stand and talk to other people and they're just down at the fence and everything. So uh, it's cheap to go to some of these matches and cheap to go into some of these events. So we just need to do a better job as fans. Hell, I'm including myself in that. I'm not standing up here preaching at anybody. We need to do a better job at going to everything that we can. Now I really would have liked to have gone to that game. Uh, I did not have a ticket one because you know, we gave ours away, but uh, I also, you know, had to get home for my getting ready to turn 12 year old daughter and yeah. be a dad for everything that I had to give up uh, from four o'clock on that that day. I had to get home and, and be a fan. Yeah. So it was an awesome weekend. I can't thank my family enough for saying, yeah, go do that because, you know, that was a lot. La it, it all came together kind of at the last minute within, a, within the last week or so. Yeah. And it, it, that's why I said I'm taking every advantage I can to go watch every herd thing that I can. And and I did and it was I'm glad I did it. I was tired. I mean, wore the hell out for on Saturday we went for 22 hours. 22 hours tailgating football, tailgating soccer, dinner after dinner, whole lot of fun. Very little sleep. Can't do it again, but I can do it once. <laughs> I might not be good for another year to do something like that, but the adrenaline was running all weekend long. I was running on coffee and adrenaline, <laughs> I think. But, hey, it was a great weekend. Uh, let's just repeat it this weekend, especially on the gridiron. You know, uh, Let's get us a big homecoming win. Keep it uh, scooting right along, moving the herd undefeated to 4-0 if we can. We're just looking to go 1-0 this week, just like Huff says. Russ, if you got nothing else, take us out of here. Last thing I'm going to say is uh, we have, uh, because of our scheduling this week and everything, we recorded this. Right after this is going to be the uh, uh, preview. preview. Yeah, with a already recorded, uh, but it will be right after this show. Uh, you'll see us wearing the same duds because we recorded it uh, back to back, but also got two articles coming out on. Uh, thundercast.online that are already written, ready to publish. We're going to have a lot of content for you this week. So uh, if you're in town, please stop by the tailgate and say hello. And if you're not, please tell everybody else to do so. But wherever you see us, if you see us at the Joan, whether you see us at the Cam, whether you see us at Hoops in Huntington, wherever you see us, we're going to be saying, go herd. Go herd. It's the Thundercast. We'll see you. Later.